This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! Welcome to our first broadcast preview podcast of the season. After what seems to have been the longest off-season ever, we're back. Minnesota United on the cusp of yet another Major League Soccer season. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Albin, as always, to help preview the season. We've got a very special guest joining us today, Kendra. We'll get to him shortly. First of all, how are you? How was the off-season? I'm good. It was long. It did feel long. And I think um, even as people were kind of holding their breath, pins and needles, looking forward to 2021, we all thought the calendar was magically going to turn to 2021 and everything was going to be solved and back to normal, which isn't the case. But the positive is that the team is in preseason. The schedule is out. Uh, we sat through a fabulous MLS rules and IFAB call the other day, which you were a part of. And I'm sure Adrian would love to discuss the, at length the handball role. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the season to just get rocking here in the Western Conference is as strong as ever. Absolutely. And the man who, again, will lead Minnesota United, hopefully, to victory once again this season, joins us, Adrian Heath, the head coach of Minnesota United. Gaffer, how are you? I'm good. How are you too? Very good. Uh, excited, I think it's safe to say. It, it really did feel like the off-season lasted an eternity, didn't it? Well, it seems like a, a year and a half since I've seen you two, because I was used to seeing you about. So, you know, it's uh, it looks like there's a little bit of norm- normality coming back with a little bit of luck. So, you know, we, we're going to have a few fans in to start, which is always a good start. And then uh, hopefully when we get toward the middle, towards the end, that we can get Allianz full again and... Uh, We'll give the supporters plenty to cheer about. So, but no, I'm as always excited. Um, had a good off season. Um, didn't travel like I normally do. I must admit, which was a bit frustrating. But uh, on the whole, um, so far so good. I'm looking forward to the full season. Not sure you didn't travel. I saw you having a couple of sips of wine down in Florida and enjoying yourself, as you should do as well. Fair, fair yeah, enough. but that's normally Europe, and <laughs> I like you know I like to go and watch. People working. I like to go and watch coaches working, and you know this is the first time in a long, long time I've not been able to see. You know, I was hoping to go and see Sari coach again this off season. He's a big, I'm a big fan of his, and I was hoping to go see Pochettino maybe in, in Paris, but uh, wasn't to be. I had to settle for sunny Miami. Yeah. Not, not a bad alternative, is it? Um, no. OK, well, let's get things started, shall we? We'll talk all things in terms of players leaving, players coming in. We'll preview the uh, first two, three, four, maybe five weeks of the season. We'll talk about other teams around at the Western Conference in particular as well. But let's start first and foremost, shall we, Gaffer, with pre-season. At the moment, you're still in Florida. You've got Orlando City to come this weekend. This Pre-season, Adrian, I think a lot of people have been very surprised with how effective Minnesota United have been in front of goal. Um, 17 goals scored in three games. I, I know the main reasoning for pre-season is to get the players fit, get everybody familiar with each other. But even you, Carden, couldn't have, have thought of, of a, a frontline scoring spree like you've, you've had on your hands so far this pre-season. You must be absolutely delighted. Yeah, you know, I, I always say, Cal, because... Whether you win in preseason, whether you lose, I, I was talking to Dr. Bill Maguire the other day, and obviously people are excited with the amount of goals. I have I have won every preseason game and, and nearly got relegated. I've lost every preseason game and got promotion. So the most important thing, though, from a coach's point of view, is 
can you start to work on things that you you know you think you can get better on from the previous year? And can you get everybody through fit and healthy? And we've got a couple of little knocks, and but you know, I, I spoke to a coach recently within the league. They got eight players down injured, and it, it becomes a huge problem. But to get back to your question, our attacking play has been excellent at times. Some of our combination play, and forgetting the opposition at times, you have got to make things happen in the final third. And we've we've been really good. And you know, some of the new guys have impressed in that. People like Ray have come in and hit the game, the ground running, and you know, some of the work that Reynoso's done has been exceptional. So I've been really pleased with the group. You know, we we gave them all a really strong off-season program and they all come back in great condition. And um, so they'd all adhere to the sort of rules we gave them. And once you get to that long, elongated, if you like, prolonged preseason, you worry about it, they get a little bit slack and a little bit frustrated, but they come back in great nick. And um, I've been really, really pleased with everybody and the work they've done. So, yeah, preseason has been really good. Attacking play has been excellent. And there's been some real plus points. Well, and that's with the absence of some of the players that were gone on international duty. I mean, Robin played a huge part of the attack last season towards the end of the season, still trying to find that number nine, signed Juan Aguadalo, which was massive in, in my opinion. But knowing that you have others that are stepping up to the plate that are showing in this time what they can do and that they belong in this squad and in the rotation, getting some contributions, I'm assuming, from the wing spaces, from the midfield, that's got to make you feel good too, especially knowing that there's more attacking pieces on the horizon here. Well, yeah, we, you know, at one stage, Kendra, we were, we were without six players who we were away on international duty. You know, Yuka was away with Finland, with Robin, and Jan Gregush was away, Asani was away, Callum was away, and Dane. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been really good that, the, you know, Nico Hansen's come in and, and looks like he's got a goal in him. He's, you know, every game he's had. He scored a goal. He's made a goal. He's, 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 he's had other opportunities. Ethan's come in, looked sharp. Juan Agadello, as you said, I think was a big pickup for us. Experience within the league. Had a really good year last year with uh, into Miami. So, no, we, 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 as I say, we've had a really good preseason. Everybody's contributing. And as I said to the guys maybe three weeks ago, with the competition for places that we have when everybody's back and in market with the signing, you know, of uh, Abila and the fact that we still want to bring one or two in bodes well for the future because, as I've said, always said, the coach's greatest weapon is, you know, players having the fear of not playing. And um, trust me, if you are not playing particularly well, there are an awful lot of people who could step into the team at the moment. I'll ask you about Abila a little later on, Adrian, because I am really curious about that particular signing. But preseason so far has gone very well for Minnesota United. As we said earlier on, 9-2 victors against Charleston, 5-2 over the crew, 3-1 convincing against FC Cincinnati. Has there been any individuals that have stood out to you thus far? I think Ray's come in and at the ground running. I think uh, Boxy's done very well. It's It's been good to see Brent Coleman back. You know, he had the suspension... And he had a difficult year with a lot of off-the-field stuff last year, but he's come back and done really well because the Bassies had a slight strain on his thigh. So he's come in and done well. I like the draft picks. I think the draft picks have come in and give us something. And then you look at likes of Will Trapp and, you know, as I said before, Nico Hansen. And what, you know, I think we've picked up some really good pieces, some really good experienced MLS pieces. And, um, you know, we, we're really happy with what the work that we've done so far and hopefully 
with what we're going to do. You mentioned there, Emmanuel Reynoso, which we've talked about quite a bit and also on the media calls, but I want to focus a little bit on Michael Boxel and sort of what he brings to the table. Sometimes I think he goes a little bit under the radar in his value. And we talked to Juan Aguadello yesterday in a, in a sponsorship call about playing against Boxel versus playing with him and how tough he is to play against and how he just gets under your skin. And the truth professionally is, can you speak a little bit to his attributes as person and a player and what he brings to the team? Well, when I look back at all the players we've had coming in and out of the team in my time here, boxing might go down as pound for pound, one of the best signings that we've made. You know, he's, he's a great professional, um, low maintenance, comes, comes in, great teammate. What you see is what you get. You know, he is what he says on the tin, tough, uncompromising. And, and as Juan would have told you, you certainly want to be on his side rather than playing against him. Because the other thing about Boxy that people probably wouldn't realise from the outside is he's probably in the top two or three quickest players within the club. And when you consider the size of him, you know, he's 6'2", um, he's got that uh, New Zealand all-black mentality as well, which is always good to have. And uh, no, he's been, he's been a dream to work with. And um, he's, as I say, when I look back at all the players we've signed, what we had to give up to get him here, I think he might go down, as I say, as one of the best signings we've made. Yeah, he's been a joy to watch over the years for Minnesota, hasn't he? Um, what about players, then, Adrian, that were unable to be retained? Let, let's yep. start with one that I know was, was very close to you in Kevin Molino. Mm -hmm. um, I know for a fact he had opportunities to go abroad, and yet he opted to stay um, in MLS and, and went to Caleb Porter's Columbus crew. Um, why do you think that was the case? And, and how disappointed were you that he wasn't able to, to stick around? Well, I, I, I'm disappointed for the rest of the group because they like playing with him. But, but I, I, I understand players. I was a player for 20 years, Cal, and I, I understand when Kev says to me, I think I need a new challenge. Kev's been with, with me virtually his whole professional career. You know, I remember seeing him the first time on a sort of cold and rainy night in uh, Port of Spain, you know, watching this little spindly winger. And we brought him back with us, you know, and he's been with us ever since. So I've seen him grow. I've said this before, as this young kid into a, a father and a man. And I'm really proud of what he's become. Are we going to miss him? We're missing the best possible Kevin Molino. Everybody will miss that. Well, you know, as we spoke to Kev at the time, he'd missed 49% of the games he was available for in um, in Minnesota. And he, he wanted the stability at this stage of his career and he ended up getting a three-year guaranteed contract in uh, in Columbus and we were we were hesitant on that and he decided he was going to take that. And that will always be his prerogative. I will never call a player out for doing that. It's, you know, he's got a lot of life ahead of him after football. So if he thinks financially for him and his family this was the best thing to do, I think we always have to respect that. But disappointed because I'm disappointed for the rest of the group because he was a popular guy, you know that. But more importantly, when he played like he did, he does in the final third of the season last year, he's as good as anybody in the league. And, you know, we, we saw him the other day when we played Columbus and, you know, you could see the affection the rest of the group have for him. We're also, you know, speaking to Caleb, I think Caleb was quite surprised about his level of talent. Because it's one of them, Kev, that unless you see him at close quarters and you see him with your best players and your best players like playing with him, 
you know, Darlington Nagby was all over him when we were there. And I, I imagine that relationship that he'll have with Nagby will probably blossom like it did with Reynoso. So, you know, it, do we miss him? Will we miss him? Yeah. But he goes with our blessing for sure. So, so what, what was the hesitancy then, Adrian? What, why not offer him a three-year contract? Well, because we, we, we're looking, we, we have to make decisions, you know, what we feel is right. You know, everybody knows my feelings with Kevin. But I, I just felt that three years at his age with the injuries he's had over, over the last couple of years was maybe a little bit much for us. And they obviously didn't, you know. They, they, I think the one apparent thing is that Columbus are all in now. They, they, they know that this is their best team they probably ever had. They've just won the championship. I would think they're probably one of the favourites again to go and do it. And you have cycles and that maybe this is their time and they've decided they've got two really good players for nearly every position. So, you know, that was a decision that we made. And as I've said all along, Cal, I'm never afraid to make them decisions. I get paid to make decisions that are right, not what are popular. And what's right now might not be right in two and a half, three years' time. Well, and I think sometimes, Adrian, there's a bit of recency bias. I mean, people are remembering that last bit of this mm. last season where he was unbelievable and just phenomenal at every level and, and just, you know, contributing in the combination play with Reynoso, which, you know, rightfully so, he was on his best game there. But you said it, 49% of the games is is what he participated in, and that's a lot to ask in a three-year deal. But who do you envision replacing Kevin Molino? And I know he's not necessarily replaceable. He has unique attributes, but who do you see filling that void then? If I could just add one piece to that, what you just said there, Kendra. If I've had to do one thing about Kevin Molino is defend him for virtually two or three years of his time in Minnesota. That's not just externally, that's been internally as well. I'm aware of that. You know, I went out on a limb to bring Kevin to Minnesota. When other people had to raise their eyebrows. So, you know, I think it's quite uh, rich of some people now to be asking why we didn't keep him when for two and a half of them, three years, I had to be defending him, you know. So, uh, but in terms of replacing him, I don't know. We've, uh, Nico's come in, done great, Nico Hansen. We haven't finished yet. We are looking, you know. It's been no secret that we've been after a set of forward, a wide left guy, maybe another utility guy. And I will be very disappointed if, if we don't do that within the next month. So there will be other people coming in. Yeah, you don't have to answer this, but uh, I'm hearing from a couple of different people that you are very close to getting somebody in. And uh, let's hope that's the case, because uh, no doubt Minnesota do need a replacement for Kevin Molino. Um, one that slipped through the fingers, Adrian, frustratingly for just about everybody at the club I know, was Luis Amaria. It mm. seems that for a long time the deal was done and dusted. And the next thing we know, he's down in Ecuador signing for the, the Quito. What, what happened? Well, we, we, we were disappointed because we thought we'd got a deal in place. Um, I, I honestly think that he will score goals in this league. Obviously, it was frustrating for us, but more importantly for the kid. You know, I've got a good relationship with Luis. We still speak regularly now. Um, his agent was particularly close to Liga de Quito. And... Um, yeah, it was disappointing, Cal. I can't really say an awful lot. We we offered the, the contract that we'd spoke about. It was that had been agreed. And, you know, it's, it was our disappointment and surprise when, when, he, when he signed for Quito. But, uh, you know, we wish him well. Let me ask you about another player that's um, been absent 
Ike Opara, um, there's only so much I know we, we can say about this, and, and certainly because we, we, as employees of the club, don't really know what's going on. So, so what, what can you say on this situation, Adrian? Do, do we expect to see him in a Minnesota United jersey in 2021? I, I think as we get closer to the beginning of the season, that becomes more, more and more less likely. Um, everybody knows that Ike's had issues in the past with his concussions, and um, he, he doesn't feel 100% at this moment in time. We've tried to give it as long as possible. We, I feel frustrated for us. I feel more frustrated to him because as I speak to the players all the time, you only get a certain amount of time to be a professional footballer and he's, he's just lost a year and so of that, you know. So I just want the situation sort of coming to a climax one way or the other, for, for not only the, for the boy as he can put his head behind it and go, right, this is what I'm going to do, but for us that we can move on. You know, it's difficult for us when you've got one of the best central defenders in the league on your roster and you're paying him a lot of money. And then you never know from week to week whether he's going to be available for the next month or for the the season as a whole, you know, because that could come back and haunt us at some stage. So I just feel as though I think we're a little bit closer to coming up with a resolution that sort of suits everybody. And hopefully we can get that done before the season starts. Okay. Um, let's move on to players that are coming in to Minnesota, shall we? Um, we knew this was going to be a busy off-season for the club, and you've added a handful of really, really good players, Adrian. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Let's start with the centre-forward, shall we? Because this is an area that it was obvious there was a need for Minnesota. Today, the club have announced the addition of Ramon Avila on loan from Boca Juniors with an option to buy. Um let, let, me, let me get your thoughts on this because I'm, I'm really curious about this signing. I've seen him a lot, Adrian, for Boca Juniors over the course of the last few months. With, with the way that, that you prefer to play, and I'm talking high pressing, I'm talking defending from the front, as you've been quoted on saying in the past, where does Ramon Avila fit into this system and, and this starting eleven? with the way that you want to play and the preferences that you have in mind? Well, I think... You said it was common knowledge that we were after a striker and we were very close on a couple of occasions early on through the year. Um, we thought we got to set a forward sign and, um, you know, as it normally happens in these situations, another club comes in and it's, you know, double the money, triple the money and, on a, and you go from being in a situation where you think you've got your number nine sorted and then next minute you're back to the drawing board. One of the things that Mark spent, Mark Watson spent a lot of time down in South America, obviously working with Boca Juniors with uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, but obviously watching a lot of games while he's down there. And um, we, we found out very early on that Ramon might be available. And obviously the fact that we had followed Ray for so long, you know, that was a five or six month prolonged sort of contractual situation. We'd seen, we'd seen a lot of him. So it wasn't like we didn't know him at all. But then, obviously, you speak to Ray and then we start to get a closer closer look at him, looking at him away from home, looking at him from home. And we just thought that the, the timing of it, the availability of it and what it's cost us for the years long, we felt it was a, an opportunity that we couldn't cut, turn down. In terms of defending, I've got every, every faith in the fact that even only seeing him three days in training, you know, he, he's going to fit in very, very well with what we've got. We always talk about chemistry within a group, front men working with strikers. 
I think Ray's played the best part of 40 games with with uh, Ramon. So he knows him inside out, knows where he likes the ball, knows what positions he likes to pull into in the box. And a little bit like Christian Ramirez, I feel, is, you know, I people always thought that I didn't like Christian. I just didn't think Christian was right for us at that particular time. I did say last year that a Christian Ramirez played for us last year. I think he scored a lot of goals. I think that Ramon will score a lot of goals for us. If we can, if we can sustain the pressure and put as many balls into the box as that uh, as that we did last year, I think there's no way that he won't score goals. Plenty of reason to be excited as well, Adrian. Do you think as well the fact that you mentioned he's got Reynoso behind him? Every time I saw him, he looked so good in those tight spaces, playing off the shoulder. And as you <laughs> insinuated, he's going to get a lot of service this year. Yeah, and I think he's he's got a little bit of everything, Cal. That he can he can back in, he can post up. If you look at all his goals, he's got really good combination play in and around the box. You know, he backs in, receives it, little flicks, little back heel. So I think players are going to enjoy playing with him and running off him. Um, but this is not the end. I don't want our supporters listening to this podcast thinking, oh, that's it then. Well, no, we, we, we've got space to bring a DP in. We've got space to bring a town player in. And I'm still hoping that we, we do that before this, you know, before the, we get really into the meat of the season. I think one of the areas that we, we need to discuss as well is the fact that our transfer window goes on probably three months longer than it's ever done. So now we've got a, another batch of players who come into contention for us to try and sign, and that's the European players. Before, we had to wait till they came out of contract. You know, they go away on holiday, and then we go, oh, he's available now. But that's halfway through our season. That's not going to be the case this year. So before we get into the real crux of the season we still have time to bring in two, three players. Another question about Abela is you talk about the combination play and playing off the back shoulder. And um, Juan made a comment yesterday on a call saying that he's learned in his career. It's about quality, not necessarily of, of quantity of chances and making the most of the opportunities when the ball does come to you and being that goal scorer. Do you see that from, from him? Do you see that from Abela coming in, that he is going to be that attacking presence that when given the opportunity, he will capitalize on the chance? And knowing that if he gives the ball to Reynoso, he'll get it back in a, in a good spot. I, I think that we had to put a presentation together regarding Ramon for the ownership group. And the one thing that struck out, even from our ownership group, was the variety of goals. Headers, tap-ins, dribbles, running away from people, you know, slid in. Um, combination play. We feel as though he's got all of that. We had a got a little game this morning, and he he showed glimpses of you know getting in really good spots. And you know you see him; he's a huge kid. His shoulders are massive, and he once he backs in, you're not going to take that spot away from him. What we've got to do now is start to learn how to work with him. What are his strengths? Where can we stick it into his feet? And what are the what are the movements of the other people after that? But with Robin Lode. With Ray, you know, I, I don't see there's any way that we, we we won't get him opportunities. And if we get him the opportunities that uh, that he's had in the past, I think his record is something like 39 goals in 56 games for Boca Juniors. And the other thing is, you know, you've heard me say it before, I'm a huge believer in people who have been used to playing under pressure. Playing for Boca Juniors is not like playing for another team down in South America. Playing for Boca is like playing for Manchester United every week, playing for Liverpool, playing for any top team. 
because the pressure that comes with being the centre forward for that team is I have to score, I have to play well every single week. So as we found out with Ray, you know, coming into being the, the guy and the pressure being on you, well, you know, they've been used to that every single week, you know, going away from home and and that big, that's the biggest crowd for that particular team all season because Boca have come to town. So they're used to that. And I, I'm a big believer that players who've been through it and are used to being play, playing games under pressure, you know, I will take them guys all day long. Yeah, excited to see him for Minnesota United. I just thought, Adrian, let me ask you this because I forgot about this. Whilst we're talking about South American football, you've let a young player go out on loan to South America in Thomas Chacon to, to Liverpool yeah. FC in Uruguay. Um, it, it's safe to say it, it didn't quite work out so far as yeah. many thought it would. But where do you stand on people being a little frustrated that he hasn't played enough football? Oh, I agree. Nobody's more frustrated than me, you know. But I think it shows how far the league's come, Cal, where we, we, you, you, you buy a young DP at 18 years of age and you think they're going to be able to come on and, in, into MLS and make an instant impact. That's been really difficult for him. You know, and he's got another three years of his deal left. So what we couldn't do you know, because whatever we say is an asset of ours, he's an under-21 Uruguayan international. We, we couldn't let him sit for another year with no playing. So, I, you know, we, we, we spoke long and hard about what we were going to do. And because of the COVID situation, we haven't got a second team again this year, you know, which is normal. You know, it, it's, it's been a tough year for everybody. So next year might have been a different, you know, if we were this time next year and we've got a second team in place, it might have been different. But this year, we just felt it was imperative to protect the asset that we have in Thomas Chacon, to let him go out and start enjoying his football again. And when the opportunity to go back to Liverpool in Uruguay presented itself, it was something he was keen on as well. So I think it's going to be um, a benefit to everybody. And we'll reassess where we are come the end of the season and, and see where Thomas is. You know, but we will certainly won't put it park in there and that's him done. You know, we'll keep an active, uh, really keep an active eye on him and, and see how he's progressing and see if he's, he's coming along the way that we hoped he would. We've talked about some, some of the new players and some of the young players, but how about a new player, but a little bit more from a veteran standpoint and Will Trapp? I mean, did you feel when, when, Trapp, when Trapp became a free agent, it became available and it looked like he was interested and wanted to come here and work with you, did that feel like a... What was that like? Because to me, it's sort of like a, a goldmine opportunity with knowing what Ozzy Alonso and his status and his age and Hassani and how yeah. he's going to fit and Jan going on international duty and whatnot. Did that feel like a, a blessing for you guys to get that kind of a signing? Well, because of all the things you just said there, Kendra, you know, we this area of the field is going to be big for us this year. You know, Jan could be away as long as six weeks and Robin could be. And so midfield area, whichever way we play, whether we play with two or the number 10 or we play with the midfield three, we're going to need all these players. But it's funny, I wrote some stuff down the other day about Will Trapp and I put on, he's everything that we expected, great professional, incredible ability to get out of tight spaces, really good, intelligent footballer and a big influence on the group. And he's, he's probably a better footballer than I thought he was. And I mean, spoke to Craig Berhalter and people like that, they, they couldn't speak highly enough about him. But the great thing is he's come in and hit the ground running in the, in the way that he's, he holds everybody accountable for the standards and training because he is such a perfectionist, 
perfectionist with his own game. He expects it out of everybody else. So the fact that we got him, you know, we didn't have to give anything up for him. You know, his time was really frustrating in um, um, in into Miami. So when you look at what he's done in the game, played for his national team, they won an MLS Cup, but his age and what he can do, you know, we, it, it's, it was a no-brainer for us. Also, we're talking of, of into Miami, Adrian. One of the players that you added was Juan Agudelo, who I think it's said to you also had a very frustrating year. Um, yeah. But I, I tried, I tried to, to get him to answer this a couple of weeks ago, and he, he didn't quite bite, so I'm hoping you will. Um, when he first burst on the scene at, at New York Red Bull nearly 10 years ago now, it seemed as though this kid was the next big thing. Yeah. And for a lot of reasons that were out of his control, it, it didn't quite work out the way that many expected to. So with that in mind, does he come to Minnesota United with a little bit of a point to prove? And if so, that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? No, and, and I would hope he's got a point to prove. I think he was really disappointed because I think last year in, into Miami, you know, I know a lot of people down at, at the club and they were a little bit surprised that he was let go because he played two or three positions for him and did well for him. You know, I think he started 11 games and got four goals and, you know, played different positions for him. And I think it's fair to say that as, as he ever reached the, the heights that we, we all expected, maybe not. But he's at a great age. People forget, you know, this is not a 30-year-old veteran. You know, he's late 20s. He's, he's coming into his prime. Um, wants to do well. I've worked with him in the past. He, he came for a week and I was in Orlando and he stayed for six weeks. So he must have enjoyed that. And um, so I've enjoyed working with him. And, uh, you know, he's, as you say, if he's got a bit to prove that everybody's going to benefit from that. But uh, certainly going back to early days at Red Bulls, his time at the Revolution where he played center forward, wide right, wide left, and did great for them. Um, you know, if we can get him back to them levels, you know, it, it, uh, it's going to be good for us all. And Nico Hansen, another one of the newcomers, you, you touched on it a bit, and you said he's done well preseason and really yeah. contributed. But what do, you, what do you like from him, and how can you see him kind of spicing up the midfield and the attack? Well, Nico's always one of them guys that when you're on the opposite, he's on the opposition and you see him warming up and you, you know he's coming on, you're like, hey, here we go, this is going to be a problem. Because the one thing he's got and it's very difficult to deal with, as we all know, is that sheer pace. People who can run, just run past people. They don't have to beat you on the dribble. You know, if they make, if you put the ball in space, they can get there before you and make things difficult for you. That's that's been there for all, all to see. Um, I've been as surprised how many times he wants to get in the box. He wants to score a goal. We've played him on the left, which is a wee bit different for him because we feel coming infield on his right foot, both goals have been benders across the keeper, a little bit like Robin Lode on the other side. So that's, I think that he's enjoying the fact now that every time he gets it, he cuts in in the box and the, the goals and the, and the pitch is opening up for him. So, you know, we'll see how he goes, but he's had a really good start and uh, we're pleased with him. And another guy who's, who knows the league, experience within the league. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to surprise him. He knows it's 100 degrees in Houston on Tuesday and then snowing on Saturday in Colorado because he's been through it. But these are the things that sometimes we forget. That You know, this league's not easy to, to navigate at times. And when we've got all this, it's going to be a con condensed second half of the season, the fixture, when we get to hopefully Open Cup, etc. We're going to need all these players for sure. 
Yeah, and going down deeper into the depth of the roster, Gaffer, you've added the two draft picks as well. Um, Kibiguchi looks to be a, a big unit and lots of potential, but a lot of people seem to be praising McMaster at the moment, and you yourself said you saw a little bit of Kevin Molino in him. Yeah, I did. And but probably more athleticism than Kev. He's a strong boy. Um, when we drafted him, I think it was a few raised eyebrows from one or two people, but we weren't drafting him on what's gone on in the last year. The kids had an ACL and had a, and a bad groin injury. We were going on what we saw two years ago when he was arguably the best player in college football. And like, you know, his coach, Bobby Moose, said to us, if he'd have carried on the way he was playing after his second year, he probably would have been a generation Adidas and certainly in the top two or three picks. He's fit and healthy now. So he's come in and... We've really been impressed with him. We like, we like the fact that he can play as a number 10. He can certainly play in wide areas. He can beat people on the dribble. Got a real good feel for the game. Um, and a little bit like Asani, I remember saying to you two, the first two or three weeks in preseason, the senior players accept players who they think, this kid's good. And I think Justin's had that sort of impact with the rest of the players. He's come in not been out of his depth and and really shown well. So we, we've been delighted with him. And and Naby is, um, we don't know what we've got. 6'2", incredibly quick, good feet. You know, I, I, I had him here marked as maybe a centre-back or maybe a deep-lying number six. And then he played full-back the other week for us. And I'm like, is that the new Wan-Bissaka? Quick, nightmare to play against because he's got them legs that, like, Inspector Gadget legs, because we call them where the winger thinks you beat him and then they just extend that little bit to get the extra toe on. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we don't know where he's going to end up, but we've been really, really pleased with him, both of them. And you mentioned Hassani right there. And I know we've talked with you a few times about him, you know, off the record and in some media availabilities, but how has he come back in after being with the 23s, not qualifying for the Olympics? But we also talked about how does he find his place in this starting lineup? Because he, he feels like he's earned that spot, yet you've got so many quality players mm-hmm. in those positions. How does he find his spot in an everyday starting position there? Well, it's a difficult one for us all, Kendra. Uh, for me, for the boy, um, I think like everybody, we were all surprised that they didn't qualify. So we we... We as a staff couldn't have gone, oh, by the way, we've got two players missing from midfield for the for six weeks during the middle of the season. So we had to cater for what might come along. Now, obviously, the fact that he's not going makes things even doubly difficult because the one thing about him is he's come back. He, I don't know, he looks stronger, looks bigger, looks quicker. Um, I know from speaking to the people at the national setup, they they've been incredibly impressed with him probably more so than anybody. I think that there was one player that internally, not externally, internally within the, the, the under-23 group that impressed each other, their teammates and the staff, it was probably Asani. And we had a small practice game this morning and he was different class again, you know. So we've got some really difficult decisions, or I have, shall we say. That'll be one of them where the rest of the staff go on a little slight wander away from me when I'm picking the team on a Friday because... They don't want to be associated with it, but uh, that's what we get paid to do. Um, some difficult decisions, but Sonny just has to trust us. I think he knows what we feel about him. 
but we've just got to try and manage his expectations this year because, you know, I know he's going to be frustrated because he feels as though he should and he probably should be playing. Now it's up to us to see where we can get him in the team. As we stand, Adrian, we're still a good 10, 11 days away from the season starting in Seattle. I think we'll, we'll save the Seattle preview for a future podcast and, and close to the time. But in terms of the group where it is, I know you've already said you're still trying to get two or three more in. But if you were to start the season in Seattle with the group you have, you, you must be very happy with, with what you have available, surely. Oh, yeah. You know, where are we, where are we weaker than we were last year? And you look at the results that we had last year. Now, the one glaring hole would probably be, you know, Kevin's goals from, from last year. But Robin Lode's come back, and I'm not just me. I don't think there's not been one member of my staff who hasn't said that Robin's looking sharper than he's probably ever done. So we expect another big season for him. Um, you know, we 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 bought Abilene. We've We know that Asani's going to be fine. Now, suddenly... We've got competition in wide areas. Nico's come in. We, we add a couple to this. You know, the, the squad will be the best squad that we've had, without a shadow of a doubt. The odd part's going to be picking the team and picking the souls because we're going to be leaving people out who are going to be incredibly frustrated. But, you know, that's the nature of, of the job, I'm afraid, and that's what I get paid to do. But I'm really, really pleased with it so far. Two quick ones from me, Adrian. You mentioned Robin right there. And do you, Ethan makes it difficult sometimes to keep him out of the lineup with his effort and his runs and, and what he's, his ability. But it seemed like Robin got the ball more when he started on the right and mm-hmm. cut in rather than the opposite. Is that just another challenge for you as a coach of the decisions you're going to have to make with the talent you have in the midfield? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the one thing that I would have liked to have done in hindsight looking back at last year, I would have in the in the final third of the season. I think if we'd had a bit more depth, we could have freshened it up a couple of times. Not because somebody was playing bad, but to keep them fresh for the next big challenge. The team was virtually picking itself at the end of the year, and that won't be the case this year. And um, hopefully, we don't go through a, a season of injuries. But the big thing for us is that we do have a lot of strength and depth. Um, but Robin certainly playing as the number nine, helped us enormously at the end of the year. And then playing on the right, coming in on his left, scoring the goal where the goal opens up a little bit like we've just been talking about with Nico. So, you know, it's uh, we've got a lot of challenging decisions to make, Kendra. Let's, just, let's put it that way. I'm going to throw one more at you then. Uh, yeah. Goalkeeping. Goalkeeping situation. I mean, Tyler was a starter at the beginning of the year, bring him in from LAFC has hip surgery and Dane steps right in and he's a youngster, but he's had some quality. What do you see there in preseason? Well, they both come back, obviously knowing what's coming. And um, you had Adrian Zendayas and Fred Emmings into that group. I did say the other day, we, we might have the best four core group of goalkeepers in the MLS. I've been through everybody's squad. I don't think there's a group of four keepers of the standard that we've got. Now, obviously, something's going to have to give there because one of them is going to play and, you know, then we'll have decisions to make. But, um, you know, it's it's one of them decisions, you know, that we, we drafted Dane because we knew he had great potential. He gets in the team and he, he shows all that now. So difficult, difficult decisions ahead, no doubt. But um, I prefer that decision-making process of picking one from three or four 
then there's only one and everybody knows who it is. So, you know, it's good for it's good for the staff, not so good for the players. Just finally from me, Adrian, before we let you go, we know you've got some pre-season things to take care of. What do you, in your opinion, what quantifies as a, a good season for Minnesota United? Because there's been a lot of money spent across the league once again, Adrian, and, and particularly in yeah. the Western Conference as well. Yeah, we were talking about it the other day, you know, Greg Vanny's gone to the Galaxy. They're going to be better. For sure, they're going to be better. You know, it looks like they're going to buy the kid Cabral, who we were very close to signing earlier in the year. Um, I know they're still trying to bring Pavon back. LAFC are what they are. Portland, always spend, trying to bring another DPM. Sporting Kansas City, they've spent again. Vancouver, people don't realise this, although they've been finished bottom in the last two years. They spent the most money in the whole of the CONCACAF region, region last year and have spent another $8 million this year. You know, since he spent $15 million on a striker. Three and a half million on Lucio Acosta. So, yeah, there's people spending. And as we said, Cal before and Kendra, you know, if, if you're standing still, you're going backwards. I don't think we've stood still. I think we've helped. Um, we've still got more to come. So I think we're progressing. But to sure, you know, I can think of six teams within our conference that expect to be in the playoffs. I expect us to be in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, there's you know, going to be four, five, six teams that are going to be on the outside looking in. Just want to make sure that we're not one of them. Wonderful. Adrian Heath, thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And as always, thank you to Kindred D. St. Aubin for her thoughts as well. And thank you to you for listening as well. As always, for the latest on Minnesota United, keep it right here on MNUFC.com.